hold on, I'm gonna get my phone real quick, because I need to get that, because I'm not logged into the, um, email anywhere else. Hey, uh, where the hell did I put my phone? Isn't that the eternal mood? It's not in my pocket. I left it on my dresser. Yeah. Welcome back. Hello and welcome to the Magic Wings Clubhouse, a podcast where two best friends get together every fortnight and recap each episode of the Italian Magical Girl series, Wings Club. I'm Brendan and I'm Fairy of the Surging Sea. And I'm Tess, Fairy of the Rolling Stones. Today, we're watching Season 1, Episode 7, Friends in Need. In Italian, it's called What Are Friends For? And in the Four Kids dub, it's called Grounded. The Italian version of the episode aired February 11th, 2004, and the Four Kids dub aired July 31st of 2004. I don't think we're going to get a huge time disparity between original Italian and the English until season four because of how long it took that to get dubbed. Mm. Uh, well, not for the... The Cineloom, at least, that might actually be, like, the point where we start having to keep track of. The Cineloom aired this time, but then Nickelodeon aired it in 2011. <laughs> so I put out a call for listener questions and a uh, reminder earlier today. Did we get any listener questions? We didn't get any from today. Uh-huh. I forgot what words were for a second. But... <laughs> We got one earlier this week, mm -hmm. and we actually got an email listener question. Oh my god. <laughs> Let's do the Twitter one first, because there's some explanation involved, and then we'll do the email one. Does that sound good? Yeah. Guess who the Twitter question's from? Best friend of the pod, Cassidy at Madlebotnest. You're right. You win nothing, but you're right. <laughs> okay, let me just make sure that... I love your stupidly loud keyboard. <laughs> I'm just like, let me make sure that I'm remembering this correctly. Okay. Because I was like, I don't want to explain this to you before if I don't know it. Okay, Cassidy asks... Since Stella has the Ring of Solaris, does that mean she's going to kiss a hedgehog? Do her tears unleash an apocalypse-causing demon? I assume this is a reference to the Shadow the Hedgehog video game where Shadow falls in love with a human girl named Maria. That's all I know about that game. <laughs> oh, I'm glad I get to explain this to you. Um, you is it were... going to be like that time I badly explained Dragon Ball to you and you almost crashed your car because you were laughing so hard? Maybe. <laughs> it's actually Sonic 06. Oh, that game. That game. Uh, yeah, Solaris is uh, the central antagonist and final boss of Sonic the Hedgehog 2006. Mm -hmm. He is the sun god of Soliana, as well as a mm -hmm. superdimensional life form and a god of time. Mm-hmm. Let me guess. Is he sealed inside of Maria? 
no, Maria has nothing to do with this. Oh, perfect. One half of Solaris is sealed inside of Princess Elise, and um, it's Iblis. She is known as the Iblis Trigger. There's a point in the game where it, where Princess Elise kisses Sonic in order to stop the world from ending. Mm-hmm. So my answer to that is your question, Cassidy, is yes. I'm going to agree because I have no knowledge of anything Sonic except I am really bad at the first level of Sonic Pinball. Oh, I love you, Brendan. I love you so much. Hope how, that answered your question, Cassidy. And how about that email? I'm sorry I couldn't be of more help on this one, Cass. Uh, what's what's our uh, email question? I'm very excited okay. for this. All right. Um, our email comes from Thomas Meehan. Or Meehan. I have no idea how to pronounce your last name. It's probably really uh, let's, easy. And I'm just... Let's not give out his last name, just in case. It's on his Twitter. Oh, well, in that case, uh, I would assume it's me in. He writes, Hi, I'm a new listener and I'm enjoying the podcast. Keep up the great work. We will. Thank you. <laughs> that made me all happy, my jibblies. Mm. Um, I haven't watched Winx yet, but I'm loving the podcast and the recaps. Would you recommend Winx and Witch? I want to know what others think before I dive into the shows. So, I actually don't have that much experience with Witch, outside of I found one of the novelizations at an Ollie's discount store back in the day. (laughs) And the novels were fun because they actually had, like, some of the comic pages at the front and the back. Um, So I can't really speak much on Witch, Uh, I know that it was a shorter show, and here's a fun fact. The producers of Witch, at least one of them, is on record as blaming Winx Club for the Witch cartoon's short run because Winx Club was cheaper to make and came out faster. Presumably because it's all original content and isn't based on a comic book series. Right. And also, Um, you can tell that the animation is... I'm not saying cheaper, but I am going to say that it's simpler than the Witch franchise. Right. Because Witch was like, I remember that the show is really dynamically shaded. If you look at the outfits from season one of Winx versus Witch, they have a lot, I don't want to say they have a lot more going on with them, but they have a, they're a lot more carefully crafted. Right. They're probably like a direct page to screen thing, and they wanted to keep all of the detail that's really easy to do in still drawings, but would probably be helpful to simplify for animation. Which is why, like, some of the Sailor Moon outfits have a lot more detail, or like individual details on the manga. Like, Sailor Venus's chain belt would probably be a pain to animate in the 90s because chains alone are just difficult to draw. And you don't have to draw it that much with Venus Love Me Chain because that's just a stock footage attack. Okay, so actually, I have a lot of experience with Witch. Oh, good. I loved the books when I was a kid. I'm sure I still have them somewhere in my parents' house. Um, and, well, because I was a really bookish kid. Um, Same. <laughs> 
And I liked them because they were short enough that I could take them to school and, like, read, like, about half of it during my free time and then the other half at home. Because I like getting things done quickly. Because not only was I bookish, I was impatient. (laughs) Also Um, same. (laughs) Which I would recommend if you want to get... If you... hmm, How do I put this? They're not currently strangling the euros out of it. So it's finished? Yes. Which is finished. It is complete. There's, as far as I know, nothing more coming out of it. I'd kind of love to see them take, uh, like, a Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood swing at it. And, like, reanimate it. Because the the original show is really beautiful to look at, honestly. Oh, yeah. And it has themes that you wouldn't expect to happen in a children's property. It deals a lot with loss. Does it fall prey to the sort of thing where it was, like, innovative for its time, but nowadays might seem a little bit more cliche? I don't know, because I haven't seen it in years. Okay, that's fair. Because I know, like, a Um, lot of, a lot of, like, foundational media pieces have that, like, like, Seinfeld was a great example. Because it, it did so many innovations in the sitcom realm, and so many shows afterwards have done sort of the same thing. That on a first watch, nowadays, Seinfeld doesn't seem that funny. Which is if you want sort of a more serious magical girl thing. Like, there's a definite threat. And that threat just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Winx is, all in all, more happy. <laughs> does that make sense? It does. Uh, from what I can tell, which does have a darker tone. Oh, yeah. But not like um like a Madoka Magica dark tone, but like a more <laughs> serious older teen theme. Right. Like if Winx Club is a teen sitcom, which is a YA novel. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sure you can find the comic somewhere. They're probably I online. Know they're, I know they're out of print. That's all I'm gonna say. What we're saying is, we know we like Winx. I really, really, really liked Witch when I was a kid. And in fact, I still kind of do. And I'm definitely willing to give it a shot. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, they both get the Magic Winx Clubhouse thumbs up of approval. What was Thomas's other question? Thomas's other question is, also, are you planning on doing more podcasts on other shows? Okay. I would not would be love opposed. To. We would love to. Unfortunately, we are currently a two-person operation, and one of these two persons is doing all the editing. <laughs> and I'm barely versed in what we're doing. And I have, like, a standard full-time job, so I don't have, like, great availability. We're honestly, like, it's a great thing we get away with doing this on Wednesday nights. <laughs> but yeah we would love to I have like three or four ideas bouncing around in my head at all times demo uh, I know I for one would absolutely love to do a podcast on uh, H2O Just Add Water and I'd really like to do a podcast about like movies we watched growing up as a kid come join the club we are the beast. 
Thank you, Thomas. In, in like, there's probably going to be a, a whole cut tangent, but just know that we did just spend about 20 or so minutes exclusively <laughs> discussing other shows you would like to podcast about. <laughs> Welcome to Shrekcast. Oh, no. <laughs> it's, th- I, you know what? This is going to be Ogre before it starts. I will throw you into a boulder. A nice boulder. I like that boulder. <laughs> that is a nice boulder. <laughs> too deep, too deep. Let's get into Ake Servono Gliamiki. That kind of hurt. <laughs> we start off with our customary pan of Alfia and trademark. We zoom in on Griselda's office where she's kind of re-explaining to the girls why they're punished for any kids who missed last episode. Young ladies breaking into Cloud Tower was very rude, and we will not tolerate rudeness at Althea. Uh, so she says that for sneaking into Cloud Tower, uh, power suspension is an adequate punishment, but she's not going to leave it at adequate. So for funsies, they can't leave school grounds and they have to clean the entire castle. Griselda conjures up a set of cleaning supplies and Tecna could not be more confused by also, buckets okay, and brooms. Well, and I, I wrote down, Griselda Photoshop wipes some cleaning tools into existence. <laughs> like, if you, if you look closely, you'll see the outline of the like brush and broom just there. <laughs> And Tecna pulls out her um, 2003 smart PDA. What be this thing? I call it her Sailor Mercury computer. Uh, Griselda then says Tecna is not allowed to use any gadgets because uh, she has a little bit more foresight than Palladium, I guess. And, like, Tecna actually gets upset, like, visibly sad that she can't use her, her tech. And then the girls are like, hey, Tecna showed a lot of emotions for her. And Tecna says, yeah, ever since I met you guys, I started acting not how I usually do, and my emotions tend to get the better of my logic. And then everyone starts laughing at her. Which is a weird reaction, because I would be more like, I'm glad you feel you can open up to us, Tecna. Hey, look, guys, the computer has feelings. (laughs) What a brain school reject. So Griselda kind of says that's enough of that. And she dismisses them so that they can start cleaning. Over in Four Kids Town, when Griselda summons the brooms and other materials, she tells Stella that the broom will be her new best friend. (laughs) And Tecna starts looking up a manual for how brooms work. And I just wrote down classic millennial. Oh, no. And after Griselda, you know, invades her personal space and touches her computer, don't worry, Tecna, the only manual we'll need is manual labor. Exactly. If we had a manual for the labor, we'd get done faster. And I'm like, that was good. (laughs) That was dumb, but good. I have a very important question. (laughs) Is Tecna the one person in existence who actually reads the EULA? Well, she can. She studied speed reading in her 
spare time. I'm sure she could do it in like two minutes. She seems like the kind of person who would thoroughly dissect the Eula. Also, Techno was just trying to figure out what a mop is. Let her look it up. You know she's smart but dumb. She's from a technology planet, guys. They've evolved Can past she... the need for brooms. They have Roombas. Side note, can Tecna bring along Sparky? I was just about to say, girls, you've seen Sparky's urn. <laughs> it was her pet when it was when she was a kid, and now it's dead. Oh no, the battery died. Sparky wouldn't recharge anymore. Griselda says that they have an entire day to clean the castle. Or, or rather, a day to clean the entire castle. So we cut over to Flora and Tecna in the staircase area of the castle. Because that's what things are. I just tend to call this, like, the Grand Foyer. That's my drag name. Well, I assume this is, like, you know, the like the entryway to the school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Flora's all like, hey, you know how to use a broom, right? And Tecna's all, how hard could it be? Kore wa boshi desu ka? I don't understand that reference. Uh, is this a pigeon? Is this a hat? Ah. So she puts the bucket on her head. To be fair, buckets are very hat-shaped. What I thought was kind of an interesting difference in Four Kids is in Cinelume, Flora is completely silent while Tecna, like, fiddles around with the bucket and broom. But in the four kids, she's like, oh, is that what you think? I see. If the bucket is a hat, what do you think the broom is for? That being said, there was a very flirty tone here. I think that's just how four kids Flora talks. Also, I just noticed that they switched around these scenes. In the four kids dub? Yeah, because in my notes here... It goes from Griselda yelling at them to Flora to the other girls. And in four kids, I have Griselda, the other girls, Flora, and Tecna. Hmm. I didn't catch that. So, um, Tecna figures that the broom is... She starts using it like a feather duster. Which, I mean... I mean, what is a feather duster but a very small broom with softer bristles? And the problem is she tries to dust a portrait and it just falls and shatters. Yeah, while Flora is looking on with childlike glee, she is just delighted by this. Idly bemused. (laughs) While uh, Flora presumably cleans up broken glass, Stella, Musa, and Bloom are cleaning a lecture hall. Well, uh... Bloom and Musa are cleaning a lecture hall. Stella is touching up her makeup. And I thought that was a cell phone at first. <laughs> well, the way it's positioned, it looked just overly enough that I was like, is she just texting? I wouldn't put it past her, but Griselda also took away their electronics, so. <laughs> I think it wasn't made clear. It doesn't. Maybe? At the very least, she said they couldn't use any gadgets. Like, tech gadgets to help cleaning. Which is why Sparky is not allowed. 
But that raises a good... I think this is still too early in the era of cell phones for that to be a consideration. Because, like, I don't think texting is that big of a deal yet in 2004. Right. So all Stella could do is, like, check her phone calls and play Snake. (laughs) But yeah, Stella is not really understanding the meaning of a punishment. She's just kind of expecting the others to do all the work because she's royalty. And Muse is having none of that. Oh, God, no. Musa basically gets ready to fight Stella until Bloom diffuses the situation by throwing a bucket of cold, soapy water on both of them. Gross. But it also starts a water fight. So the girls have their water fight, and there's a lot of, like, giggling and whatnot. And if this were a different show... I mean, there's already homoerotic undertones. (laughs) In four kids. I know Bloom says lecture halls, but it really sounded like she said election halls. (laughs) It sounded like she said we have ten more election halls to go. And then we cut over to Musa. And she just says, Hey, Stella, how about a little H to the E to the L to the P? And I'm like, match those lip flaps. (laughs) You know, I think that's what it is. I think that's why Musa has some of the lines she does. Is they're just trying to match lip flap. Also, um, you know, I this is probably just me justifying Stella. But at one point, she makes the classic argument, but what if I break a nail while I'm scrubbing the floors? And Musa says, just wear a pair of gloves. And what I'm surprised neither Dub did is have her say she's allergic to latex. Because that, I would, like, I would believe that. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's yes. it's a much more believable excuse than gloves don't <laughs> go with this outfit. In, yeah, in Four Kids, she says her glo- the gloves don't go with her outfit. In um, Cineloom, I believe she says something along the lines of if they give her blisters. Which kind of ties back to that allergy to latex thing and um i also have a note here that seriously stella you're already in trouble refusing to actually do the work will make it worse oh i i missed one spot because i thought it went into the other one um you missed a spot (laughs) yes when the painting fell in four kids techna said well it's a good thing i figured out how to use the bucket (laughs) Also, I was completely so, right. This is the episode of the Four Kids dub I've seen the most. When I was watching it, I was shocked at how much of it, like, how much of the specific dialogue I remembered. So after the girls' water fight, Flora and Techno walk in, and they're like, what happened? And Stella says they had a water fight, and she won. And Musa says, no, I won. And the four kids dub actually has a really good transition here because Tecna goes, what if Griselda sees this? And then Griselda cuts in with, what if Griselda sees this indeed? As she (laughs) saunters into the room. So 
Griselda literally comes in. Hi, ladies. You suck so hard that we're going to the concert and you have to stay here and clean. Could have told you sooner. Decided not to. Bye. Well, it is. I do think it's her just rubbing their noses in the dirt. It's kind of poorly exposited in the Cineloom dub that there is some sort of concert in Magic's that the whole school will be attending except for the Winks because they have to clean. And I understand that, like, you know, it does add to the punishment element that, like, you guys are missing out on something really fun because of what you did. But she doesn't have to be such a smug asshole about it. Griselda comes off really mean-spirited during this whole thing. Yeah. Which is weird, considering Uh, if she's the head of discipline, like, I get it, but did you have to make a Professor Snape? Watch the concert just be a really bad Calypso band. Oh, I thought all these girls were going to get excited at the prospect of a concert, and then it just turns out to be not even good classical music. Like, something everybody's heard a million times. (laughs) I think in... Four kids, they call them the Charm Boys or something? I think it's a band called Charmed Life. Whatever. Which, at least specifying that it's a band that the girls are fans of. Except for Bloom, who's been here for ten minutes. They're, like, all bummed that they're not gonna go to the concert. That us as the audience are just finding out about. And Stella brings up, why don't we call the boys over? Great idea, Stella. And Bloom quips in with, Griselda said no magic and no gadgets. She didn't say anything about not getting help. So they just put all of their eggs in the specialists are going to help us basket. I mean, Griselda is lawful neutral, so I see what Bloom is trying to do here. But Griselda seems like she's a letter and spirit of the law kind of person. Mm Mm-hmm. So it wouldn't matter that she didn't tell them that they couldn't get help. She would say, she would just like, I didn't think I had to tell you. I assumed you would extrapolate. Which is never a good thing, by Uh, the way. Always lay all your cards on the table in this kind of situation. Some people are really dumb. The boys being there is actually a plot point for something later in Four Kids specifically. So we switch to outside. And the specialists all zoom in on their hover bikes. These are pretty cool hover bikes. Mm-hmm. And Sky is wearing the most hideous pair of pants I've ever seen. I think these are their standard casual outfits. I that is the most hideous casual outfit I've ever seen on you, Sky. I or know that, any ever. I know that like Brandon, Timmy, and Riven, those are definitely their default outfits like brandon is just in like a t-shirt and jeans timmy's wearing a shirt five times too big for his body isn't he wearing a long sleeve shirt under a t-shirt probably i was a style 16 years ago i also know that he's probably got like shorts that are way too big and riven is basically in like a sleeveless hoodie which are cool but we hate riven So it's the standard greetings, and then we switch over to Cloud Tower, in the most dangerous cafeteria I've seen in my life. 
Cloud Towers Cafeteria is basically a spiral staircase with a bunch of balconies that tables are set up on. It's a really no cool No guardrails. Oh yeah, no guardrails. If witches can hover, like we've seen the tricks levitate casually enough that it's probably not that big of a safety hazard. I guess. So we zoom in on two witches that have far more developed character designs. One of them, bless her heart, looks like Hot Topic just threw up on her. She has a 90s hair wrap. She's actually got a very cute character design. She's got like a red bob cut and she has a leather jacket, like a like a leather vest, I think. Yeah. Like a leather vest over a t-shirt with a pumpkin on it. Is her skirt solid black or plaid? Let me actually um, pull up a picture. I wasn't paying attention to it. Let me pull up a picture. I love her. And but then yeah. her friend that she's sitting with is notable because she has one of the only non-standard face designs in the show. If you think of a generic witch, she probably has the profile of this young lady. She has very, like, sunken-in cheeks and a large hooked nose. I have decided to call them, for now, Hot Topic and Long Face. Also, it is a solid black skirt that has crisscrossing belts, both of which have, like, grommets on them. Of course they have grommets on them. And she's got, like, not chucks. Those aren't boots. What are the boots? Vans? No. Tims? Not Tims. It's a little bit too early in 2004 for Tims. But they're, like, heavy black work boots. They're probably steel-toed boots. Combat boots, Brendan. Combat boots, Tess. Yeah, so uh, Hot Topic has a... Also, did I forget to mention that the pumpkin t-shirt is shredded. And she's got, like, a tank top on under it. And then she's got her leather vest. Um, she's got arm warmers. A wrap skirt. Her her grommeted belts. Capri leggings and combat boots. I love her. If you see her, she's exactly what I wanted to look like when I was in middle school. I didn't because I was wearing spandex pants. We all made terrible, terrible mistakes. The biggest mistake, middle school. Middle school is a mistake. We should just, like, lock kids away for those three years until they learn how to behave in public. Also, uh, Longface also is rocking the arm warmers, and her skirt is plaid. I think they're dating. For sure. We overhear the tricks talking about how those pixies, as they keep calling them, broke into the school and how that's unacceptable so they're just going to raise Elfia to the ground the cycle of revenge runs very deep uh hot topic chimes in and basically goes why does everybody here hate fairies i don't get it i think they're not that bad don't you think destroying their school is a bit much and then Icy turns to look at her and just goes, who the fuss are you? And Hot Topic is just like completely thrown off because Icy gives her a look that could kill. 
the witches, all of the witches are united by the fact that they hate everybody. Group projects usually end with someone dead. Uh, and Hot Topic does give the can't, can't we all just get along? <laughs> I wrote this down. Oh, please give me that good, good stormy line that made me have to rewind the episode that made, so I could hear if I heard it right. Well, well, did you hear that? Murdo wants to be friends with the fairies. Do you want to sprinkle a fairy dust in your soup? Oh, in the four kids dub, she says, and I quote, who is this Wicca wannabe? Who let this Wicca wannabe in here anyway? So alternative, are you? So cutting edge. Let's just think outside of Pandora's box and love each other. Not! There's an artistry to that line. Somebody in the writer's room had fun with that, and I genuinely enjoyed it. (laughs) And going back to this whole thing. Wait, 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 hold on a second. By calling her a Wicca wannabe, is Stormy implying that she is a Hot Topic kid? And the rest of them are real goths? Don't abuse your baby bats. Every goth has to start somewhere. Murda isn't saying be friends with them. She's saying, maybe don't be so openly antagonistic. Maybe don't burn down their school. Maybe don't try to kill people. Like, just maybe. And Darcy reacts to don't murder people by trying to murder Murta. Darcy, tired of killing animals, decides to try and kill a classmate. She throws like a glob of shadow stuff on Murta's face and it starts choking her. Which I've noted as casual homicidal bullying. Uh, Headmistress Griffin comes in to um, yell at them. And I noted that Griffin's makeup here makes it look like she's wearing a green mask. I appreciate that in the Cinelume dub, and presumably the original Italian, she's actually doing her job as a headmistress and breaking up a fight. (laughs) Oh yeah, well, and four kids. Griffin isn't here to break up a fight. She's here to tell them that Alfia booked the Charm Life or whatever concert at the venue that they were going to use for their Money for Monsters fundraiser. And it's going to be moved to the elementary school auditorium. That's very good. Which elementary school? Who knows? Exactly. Which elementary school? (laughs) The four kids dub is good sometimes. (laughs) Four kids wouldn't have been in business for as long as they were if they weren't. Also, I'd like to note that Griffin does give a proper punishment to the entire cafeteria for uh, standing by and just watching Murda almost die. But it's a very mild one. Murda get murdered? But yeah, Murda is named now. So sorry, Hot Topic. You have lost your Hot Topic name. You are now Murda. But Longface is going to be here for a little bit. Longface can stay. For now. The punishment for the school is there will be no free time period after classes. Everyone has to go right to their dorms. Which is actually a fitting punishment for for a boarding school. Right, yeah. And uh, Icy decides that while all of Althea is out at this concert, that's when the tricks will sneak in. Back at Althea, 
the boys are super not thrilled to find out that they've been uh, drafted to help with cleaning. Yeah, the girls lured the guys here under misdirected pretenses. Whereas in Four Kids, they were just straight up lied to. <laughs> in Cineloom, it's, well, we are going to have a party. We just have to clean up first. And in Four Kids, it's, surprise, you're going to help us clean. Oh, not, this was really bad. Not to, like, not to mention, like, there is literally nothing stopping the boys from, like, getting back on their bikes and leaving. But, okay. Uh, Bloom tosses brooms to everybody, and, like, Brandon and Sky catch theirs. Timmy fumbles, and Riven just doesn't even bother. He just lets it clack to the floor in front of him. And Riven just doesn't help. No, he doesn't. He sulks in the corner while everybody else has, um, um... An impromptu chorus line. A very... Oh my god. At least the 4Kids uh, dub's bad insert song kind of has a diegetic purpose here. Someone's gonna break their leg. I don't like this. It's not good. Especially because they made the Cinelume actors improvise, sing, like... Broom scrub dry or something like that. Soap scrub dry. That's what it was. It was can... it was to the tune of hot cross buns. They do the can can, the synchronized sweeping. I'm just imagining it's a hard knock life from Annie playing. And Musa has a very bad line in four kids. You heard of hip hop? Well, this is hip mop. Uh, I didn't even write that down. It was just bad. Um, I can't tell if I hate the four kids one or the cinnamon one more. Also, all of that gross mop water is being slung all over the place while they're swinging their mops around. I I have to admit, the, the insert song in four kids wasn't terrible. It was just generic. The good news is, at least it was actual music and not just making the voice actors sing. Yeah. So, we've finished cleaning because apparently we only had to mop the grand foyer. So they take the boys back to their dorm room and Musa puts four separate CDs in four separate CD players. I cannot imagine that these sound good together. Well, actually, no. I would trust Musa to pick four tracks that layer up really well. I can't imagine this going well at all. Because either she put for the same CD in each of them. So this is going to be very loud. She put four different songs, which is going to be weird. But in the four kids, they give another explanation of for the West Wing, North Wing, South Wing, East Wing. And I'm like, you're in one room. Why do you need music blaring all over the school? The Winks do have very cute party outfits in this scene. Oh yeah, I noted that these were really cute outfits. I, I like that Techno's fashion sense is consistently Pokemon trainer. My favorite outfits in this lineup, though, would have to be Flora's, like, chiffon top and Techno's Pokemon trainer outfit. Pictures are going to be on the Twitter. I do not like Bloom's skirt. I don't know if it's just the way it was drawn, but it looks like it crinkles. Like, it makes a plastic bag noise while she's... (laughs) I don't want to say she's grinding on Stella as much as they're doing the bump. So we cut outside real quick to the tricks who just zoom in. Or 
morph in. I don't know. And they clearly didn't account for any students who didn't want to go or weren't feeling well because they're under the assumption that the entire school is empty. Or for like, I don't know. Well, no, the the maintenance staff would have been given off if the girls were supposed to clean the whole school. Uh, So the tricks are like, the hell is that noise? And they like casually hover up to the balcony and are like, oh, of course it's them. Looking through three conveniently placed holes. And weirdly enough, okay. Stormy is the top place in this this little pyramid, not Icy. So Timmy and Tecna have a really cute moment. They talk about, like, basically having social anxiety. Yeah. And then Riven decides to be a total tool. He, we don't really need to dwell on what Riven says, mostly because I didn't write it down. <laughs> Me neither. But what is important is Musa <laughs> moonwalks into the scene to dance flirt at Riven. And here we have a wild Musa attempting to woo Riven with her majestic mating dance. Riven does not see to be affected, but she continues. Let's see how this unfolds. Don't mind me, Riven, just noodling my way over here. Woo! Uh, Riven does not appreciate Musa's moves and goes out on the balcony to get some air and the tricks like teleport away before they get seen. And they, I noticed that they blink out in color coded lights again. <laughs> Cute. So they teleport like a, a safe enough distance away that Riven won't be able to see them. Especially since it's nighttime and there doesn't seem to be a lot of exterior lighting at Althea. And Darcy just goes, there's there's too many people here. And instead of suggesting mass murder, she just says <laughs> they should leave. Maximum homicide! So yeah, Darcy just wants to leave. And Icy goes, hold on a minute. There's some weird, funky, like, strong magic vibes. Let's summon the vacuums. And they end up summoning perfume bottles. Yep, just straight up genie bottles that Stormy exposits are meant to find and store powerful magic. And Icy says that maybe the dragon flame is stored in Althea because the tricks know that at the bare minimum, fairies have it. And if the perfume bottles could lead them to the special power, why are they just now summoning them? Well, I think it's because it would have to be like it's Stormy says specifically powerful magic, which means it could probably get a lot of false positives, as we will see in a moment. Ah. So they can't just rely on that. And when Stormy asks if they're just gonna like let the Winks party, or uh in the four kids dub, she asks if they're just gonna let them keep partying. And the Sinaloom dub, she points out their witnesses. Are we going to let them live? Of course not. The tricks form a magic circle in the Grand Foyer and summon an actual literal demon. I don't know what it's called in the Sinaloom. It sounded like Icy got caught off. So I just refer to it as the wick. She said whip. Like crack the whip. I I just call it the demon in my notes, but it is a four-armed minotaur. Yeah. How long is this field trip 
Is this an overnight? Good question. At the very least, they're probably going to get back really late. At the party in the Winx dorm, Bloom says they should probably start wrapping things up. Wait, 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 one second, one thing, one thing, one thing. Hey. In the four kids version. Okay. When they're all talking about how maybe we should go, or whatever, um, Icy, before summoning the crystals, vacuum, perfume bottles, says, I want the dragon flame power and I'll burn in the flames of Bryhala before I let a group of pixies get in my way. Which is very intense. Actually kind of good. I think they miswrote something because Bryhala is not a real thing. That's what I heard. I thought they were like, like I thought somebody actually was like referencing the, um, the ring saga where the the Valkyrie Brunhilda uh, is, like, sleeping in a ring of flames, and then the hero Siegfried rescues her. But that could just be me overthinking. <laughs> uh, the more important thing is, Bloom says that they should probably stop partying before everybody gets back, because it's not a great idea to get caught unattended with four boys on campus. True. Sky just wants to party. And Flora says, you know what, it can't hurt anything. Girls, this is just a really bad idea. Stella goes to serve Sky a drink. And then there's an earthquake. The whole building starts shaking. And when everybody goes onto that balcony to investigate. They see a boulder crash through a window, making a loud noise. Someone mentions that it may have been a loud TV that someone left on. And I'm like, this is so loud, Mitzi is complaining about it from Earth. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, When they don't initially see anything, Stella says, oh, I guess it was nothing. Just in time to see a boulder get chucked through a window. Oh no! Um, In Four Kids, uh, Timmy is... Well, they're, they're all basically talking about a mission that they had. Uh, I wrote it down as Timmy is telling a war story. <laughs> I can guarantee you they're making this up to impress the Winks. Oh, absolutely. And there we were. We had ten frost giants left to go. And then Flora's all, I thought frost giants were very docile. And then Sky chips in with, not these ones. It, I think it's a little bit better than that because Flora says, Frost giants are docile. Like, she states it as a fact. (laughs) Like, I don't believe that because they're not warlike. Which is hilarious if you go back to that Norse mythology reference. What's that I smell? Smells like some bullshit. (laughs) Well, yeah, there's a minotaur. (laughs) So everybody goes to check out this boulder and they find a section of the castle that looks like the West Wing in Beauty and the Beast. This place has been torn up. This is the potions lab that Stella blew up. (laughs) Did you notice how awful it looked when Riven called the hover cycles? I did not. I bet it was great. It was awful it looked like they made 3d models just to zoom over and they looked 
really bad. Timmy. Look it up when you get a chance. I will. (laughs) Timmy starts like kind of wondering aloud what could do this. And Tecna says, like Tecna starts analyzing some claw marks on the wall. And she goes, it had to have been something big. And then Riven goes, thanks, Captain Obvious. And then Tecna turns, shoots him the dirtiest look I've ever seen, and just goes, it was 2.5 meters tall, close to one ton in weight, had multiple clawed limbs and thick fur. Also, fuck you. Yeah, Tecna just roasts his ass. And Stella laughs about it. The two dubs use almost the exact same verbiage so i'm pretty sure that's a direct translation the only difference was that in cinelume uh the minotaur was 2.5 meters tall whereas in four kids it was closer to three which i don't know what a meter is because i'm a dirty american uh meters three feet so if it's two and a half meters tall that means it's at least seven and a half feet roughly yipes yeah this is a big demon it's like every time riven opens his mouth musa remembers that he's a tool yeah because yeah musa keeps giving these looks like oh right i forgot she and then he closes his mouth and she's just like pretty yeah she's distracted by the sexy which we can't see but whatever i mean he's got a a face he certainly has a face. The the one thing I kind of don't like is maybe because they're not dolls, or if they are, they all look the same, but all of the boy characters do have different head models. Yes. So, like, Sky and Brandon both have, like, these more typical handsome square jawed kind of looks and timmy timmy is a rectangle with glasses <laughs> me i mean that's not really an exaggeration his face model basically is a rectangle he has a very square jaw and riven looks like a kidney bean exactly he has a like a curved head shape that is long and thin it looks like a scimitar that was that might actually be intentional probably the specialists follow the path of like destroyed walls directly after the creature because they have their weapons on them this time and we learn that they are called phanto blades because lightsaber is trademarked (laughs) and the winks decide to take like a different route probably because they know the layout of the castle better and also currently have no means to defend themselves and they are seemingly oblivious to the glowing ball of light maybe 30 feet behind them with the tricks floating after it Because the... They they all have Pokemon trainer eyesight. They can only be seen within ten feet. The the perfume bottles made a triangle, and then they just turned into a ball of light. So the perfume bottles had nothing to do with this. They might as well have just summoned this ball of light. 
the this ball also the perfume bottles are CGI. Ah, oh, I missed a line I wanted to talk about too. What line is this? In the party when they're like bumping and grinding and whatnot, and Stella's like, "Wait, why are you dancing with me? Isn't there someone else you want to be dancing with?" And I just wrote down because Brandon isn't the only blonde I like. Stella Bloom has a type. <laughs> it's blonde. She likes blondes. So the vacuums stop moving like they're detecting something. And the tricks are like, what is this even reacting to? There's nothing here. Except the most awful quack happens because apparently the vacuums have been attracted to Pepe. And Icy gets this look of sheer horror on her face. It's it's great because like it it looks like genuine terror before it turns into rage. <laughs> Is Icy afraid of ducks? It's said in one of these that she doesn't like them. I actually realized that the vacuums probably picked up on Pepe because he's the result of a spell. So Icy just kind of screams and freezes him in an ice cube that in the four kids dub she calls ice coffin which is rad which by the way again if the girls didn't see the tricks they would have at least heard icy's raptor shriek but whatever and the tricks then presumably recalibrate the vacuums with an exception for ducks pepe deserves better hashtag justice for pepe I feel like that's going to wind up being a real hashtag about some court case somewhere. Oh, God. (laughs) So we cut back over to the Winks, who are wandering the halls trying to figure out what they're actually looking for. And Musa says maybe it's a creation of Professor Wizgins's. Does the leprechaun build golems? Does he make, like, magic constructs for fun? In Four Kids, Flora says, I still feel something unsettling. And Stella, I believe, says, Maybe it was all the sandwiches you scarfed down. (laughs) Flora, when not around a potential mate, stores food for the winter. You say that, I'm imagining her just shoving grass into her cheeks. (laughs) Moo! Like a freaking hamster. (laughs) Musa does the cartoon thing where you literally run into the monster and everybody has and a yikes. And she mentions that she doesn't remember the, there being a wall here. Are your walls typically covered in fur? Depends on if there's been a potion lab accident. <laughs> Cursed thought. Shag wall. Flocked wallpaper. Oh, no! That'd be impossible to clean! (laughs) Flocked wallpaper to match your flocked manicure, flocked lip gloss, and flocked grills. Uh, I'm gonna flocked kill you with a flocked knife. It would be so soft. (laughs) Everything must be flocked. (laughs) Oh, God, a flocked controller. Oh. That would be so wet. A flocked D20. Woo! 
So the the demon turns around and screams at them and soaks Stella in snot, apparently. At least in Sinaloom, it's presumably spit. In Four Kids, it is definitely snot. And I labeled this my squick moment of the episode. That was gross. It it was pretty grody, yeah. But Stella's about to punch a minotaur. She gets so angry that she's ready to physically fight this thing. And I think Stella the Barbarian is not as much of a joke as we thought it was. <laughs> There's a commercial break here. There's a very good level of suspense here. If you don't know what's going on. Even if you do, it's not know, that bad. I don't know what I wrote, why I wrote down Flora almost dies. That might be once we get back from commercial. Yes. There's a commercial. Wait. There might not even be a commercial. And I just wrote that down thinking there was a commercial. There might have been a literal YouTube commercial because one did happen for me around here. Yeah. Um, so Stella's about to physically throw down with this thing before Bloom reminds her that they don't have any magic right now. And with no other course of action, the girls just kind of run away. Yep, and they're being chased through a corridor, up some stairs. Flora trips. That must be Flora almost dies. That is Flora almost dies. But do you want to know what? I, I would like to point out something from the Cineloom dub here. What's up? The ad-lib screaming. Oh, yeah. Tecna has the most amazing, I am trying not to, or I am trying to scream, but not blow the microphone levels. That is literally her voice actress just going, ah. It is the letter A multiple times. Lowercase. I think this might be why they eventually replaced her Cineloom voice actress. Her voice actress switched into power off mode permanently. Oh my god. There they're replacing her and then they're gonna replace me uh... the funny thing is they do replace bloom's voice actress too <laughs> um which is kind of a shame because i do like bloom's cinnabloom voice right now cinnabloom cinnabloom ah. so while the winks are running away the tricks are still tracking the vacuums and i am very upset there's not a scooby-doo hallway scene just yakety sacks where it's like the winks run through a door you know the scooby-doo sequence and then like at one point the tricks with the vacuums float through on like a weird diagonal shot but instead uh we get techna tripping and the demon almost charging her but she leapfrogs over it and it gets its horn stuck in the wall. Bless Stella because she decides to mock it while it's trapped and sprays it with perfume. Which is also given two completely different deliveries. In the Sinaloom dub, she's mocking it. In the Four Kids dub, it sounds like she genuinely thinks it feels bad about not smelling good. <laughs> 
Either way, you don't spray someone in the face with perfume. Stella, we love you. If you do that to me, I will punch you in the face. That gets it mad enough to break free of the wall and start chasing them again. And then Musa almost dies, but she does some sick gymnastics and backflips over the top of it. But while she is on her descent, it punches her right down the hallway into the dark part. Rest in pieces, Musa. Or at if the very least, rest in pieces, Musa's ability to have children. I'm pretty sure that would have like collapsed her like entirely. Eh. Never mind. <laughs> There's severe internal damage there. Oh yeah. But the good news is from the shadows <laughs> we're never going to call this good news again. Riven steps out of the shadows and he's carrying Musa Pieta style. Like, she is Jesus in the Virgin Mary's arms. Just limp and dead. <laughs> Riven pulls Musa from the cross, colorized. <laughs> it, it, it is a Pieta, though. It is! It's so dramatic, and Riven is almost caring here. He really tried, and then he went back to being a ponce. Muse is apparently fine, actually, because I guess she did not hit terminal velocity. <laughs> so uh, Riven just sets her back on her feet, and she's fine. And he pulls out his lightsaber and goes to fight the demon. And the other boys do, too. And we get a very rare physical fight scene. Very well done, I might add. It's not terrible. Um, Brandon offers to get Riven behind his shield since he's like the party tank. But Riven is one of those DPSs who thinks he doesn't need it and goes after the demon alone. And because he's decided this is just his fight scene... And he is rewarded with this with another punch from this demon that sends him flying through a window. There's no one on the other side to save him. Um, perhaps, luckily? <laughs> uh, he doesn't get punched out of a second story window. Uh, apparently this is like a window into a lecture hall. And we just cleaned that. So he's like passed out on the floor. And then the tricks float through. And Darcy notices Riven. And she says something that made me double take. In the Cinelune In... dub, Darcy says, This boy has a very strong negativity to him. He's on par with the Prince of Darkness. Is she talking about Satan? <laughs> My prince. <laughs> Do the trick? Are the tricks? Was that joke about sacrificing to the Baphomet not a joke after all? <laughs> I saw Goody Icy with the devil. And four kids. She just wants to keep him. She just. Like just straight up take him. 
Can we keep him as a pet, Icy? Can we please, Icy? Huh? And then Stormy just goes... You got to keep that ogre we found. And Stormy just goes, why does she always fall for the dumb meatheads? The the Cineloom dub gives her a better line. Because after uh, Darcy compares him to Satan, Stormy says, I think he's just an average Joe who's wasting our time. She's right. True. Yeah. And Icy goes, well, he might be useful later. We have bigger fish to fry right now. I'm not going to say either of you are wrong. But this light ball is going to run out of power in like 10 minutes, and... We then rejoin the Winks, who are watching a fight between two DPSs in a tank and the demon. And uh, based on the sounds that are happening, the boys are losing. Bloom wants to help, and Tecna points out that we, we can't. We don't have anything to fight with. And then... Wait a second. Stella shows up with the cleaning supplies. Hey guys, I found this. Perfect. Then you hear... A drum circle? The Winks have decided to use these buckets for a drum circle to distract it. Stella... Well... <laughs> like, well, Musa is not actually in a drum circle. She's just smacking two... I don't know what those are. Scrub brushes together? I mean, Bloom is just shaking two can things of, like, scrubbing bubbles. And Stella is bongoing. On an upturned they're basically bucket. Doing those, they're basically doing those things that you used to do as a kid, where you just pull out all the pots and pans and just use them as drums. Just me, okay? The, this, I thought this was their only idea, but thankfully it's not. Uh, they were just doing this to grab its attention. And once they do, they run off. And then Bloom and Musa use a pair of detergent bottles to make an oil slick, which is really smart. Oh, yeah. I mean, hooves don't have a lot of traction as it is. And so, like, they duck behind some support beams so that it keeps charging, and it slips, and it catches Pepe along the way, because this poor duck can't catch a break. And it bursts through a wall and plummets a few stories into the Grand Foyer. And now the Minotaur can sue Althea. I would have to talk first. <laughs> they learned last time. Having a beast that talks is way too much trouble. So, everybody gathers around this knocked out demon. And they're like, where the hell did this thing come from? Exactly. Hell. <laughs> and Limbo in four kids. And Pepe wiggles his way out from under this unconscious thing. More or less unharmed. Is Pepe just a minor deity? I would not be surprised if the spell that Flora made specified indestructible duck he's indeductible <laughs> he's an indestructible duck um i'm actually surprised here that there's a pepe name drop yeah bloom is the one who says pepe's name 
That's Pepe, Isay's duck. How do you know that? I guess they just do. <laughs> and then we have like a slight divergence in the script here. In Sinaloom, Bloom suggests that they go to Farragonda's office and use her crystal ball to scry the entire school and find where the tricks are. Not a bad idea. But in the 4Kids dub, she says that Farragonda's office would probably be where they're headed so that they can use the crystal ball. Also a very good idea. Like, if they didn't know that they had the um, magic perfume bottle uh, glow stick, then yeah, they probably would go to Farragonda's office. That's probably where the most important stuff in the school is kept. So they go to Farragonda's office and they beat the tricks there in the four kids Somehow. dub. Well, in the four kids dub, they beat the tricks there. In the Cineloom dub, they just walk into Farragonda's office. And Riven realizes that somebody is coming. Probably because he can see the light from the giant glowing ball. And Bloom has everybody hide. I wrote down Tricks or Us somewhere here. I think <laughs> someone said Tricks or Us. That's very good. Someone's in here. What should we do? I have an idea. Let's leave. <laughs> the tricks float into Farragonda's office. And apparently the the vacuums are indicating that they've, they're very close to the dragon flame. And then... Everyone comes out of hiding and have the tricks surrounded. Riven just figured out what a light switch does because he's laughing while turning it on. Bloom, at least in this four kids dub, specifically says Riven hit the lights. Honestly, my money is still on the tricks if this was a real fight scene. They are outnumbered, yes, but right now the Winks have no weapons and no powers. And as we know, the specialists are just useless. Plus... The tricks have not presumably proven themselves to be enough of a threat to warrant lethal force yet. You know what I mean? Like, as far as the specialists know, these are just three witches who broke into Alfia. Right. They don't know that the that the tricks have tried to kill the Winks six times now. <laughs> Wait, were they in last? Yes, they were in last episode. Yeah, but they didn't actually interact with the Winks at all last episode. So last episode actually breaks the Trix's uh, string of murder attempts. Combo breaker! But they're right back on track this episode with choking out murder. Everybody has an off day. So the tricks are surrounded. Icy asks what Bloom is doing here. Bloom asks what Icy is doing here. Farragonda asks, what are you all doing here? <laughs> and Farragonda strolls in and goes I could have sworn this was my office and she says I assume there's a good explanation for this and presumably because Griselda isn't there they get to explain themselves ah. so we cut out to the courtyard where they've got the demon in a bubble <laughs> Because, of course, bubbles are the best way of transporting dangerous creatures. And uh, the specialists are presumably discarding it back to Red Fountain. And when the specialists leave, 
Sky kisses Stella on the cheek. It was really cute in Cineloom, really awkward in four kids, because it's just like, come here. <laughs> Let me make out with your face. <laughs> Brandon and Bloom have a cute little moment. Sky and Stella have a cute little moment. Tecna and Timmy have a cute little moment, kind of. Musa thought Riven was going to say something cute, forgetting that he is, in fact, Riven. And he just goes, don't invite me to your next party. And just dips. Uh, when the specialists leave, uh, Griselda's here now. And Farragonda <laughs> asks Griselda to remind her to thank Headmaster Saladin for the help the specialists gave with defeating the demon. And then she turns on the tricks and gives them a royal dressing down for breaking into her school and conjuring a demon. Oh, yeah. And she says she will be filing a formal complaint with Headmistress Griffin about their behavior. She teleports the tricks away with a flick of her wrist. Like she could just dissolve them into dust if she wished, with a, as much as a thought. <clears throat> and then Griselda tells the Wakes to report to Farragonda's office. In Four Kids, Farragonda mentions that she'll give her their powers back after learning that Griffin has given them the suitable punishment. So she now stole the witch's powers. Which is weird. Uh, at least the tricks are smart enough not to retaliate, because I do think Farragonda could end them with a whisper. Farragonda could end them with a mean glare. Uh, back in Farragonda's office, Farragonda decides that Given the circumstances, she's not going to further punish them for this because, you know, a freaking demon was responsible for destroying a lot of the school. And she is very impressed with how they handled themselves uh, without their powers. Indeed. Uh, she apparently reviewed the security footage on her crystal ball. <laughs> and she gives everybody their magic privileges back. And didn't I say last time that this depowered arc was going to probably only last an episode? Is it an arc if it is only one episode? Yeah, point. Farragonda dismisses them. And then has um, some private exposition time. <laughs> where she delivers cryptic, like, out loud thoughts to the audience about... How she's so proud of the Winks, and she knows that they're going to make something of themselves someday. And then she drops some foreshadowing for her next episode by saying that the Rose Gardens are about to bloom. And I know that one day these fairies should blossom into wonderful people. Like, something like that. I'm like, cool. And the Four Kids dub actually ends this episode a little bit better. Because instead of just, you know, like, grandmotherly musing about how proud she is of the Winks, instead she's thinking out loud about why would these witches break into her school? Isn't the Dragonfire just a myth? If it's real, why would it be at Althea? Which is, honestly, a better plot hook for the season moving forward. Keep that in your pocket. So the episode is over now, which means it's... We are almost done recording. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, this has not been a particularly long one, so thank God.
All right, so now we have to decide on the best moment, worst moment, and the MVP of the episode. Indeed. Tess, what is the best moment of the episode? My best moment is going to be... I really need to think of these before we record. <laughs> Techno with a bucket on her head. That was very that was good. Um, my best moment was the um, the oil slick. Like, that is some very good quick thinking. Indeed. Um, the worst moment is just Griselda being so insufferably smug. Because, like, God, right? I get it, they're punished, and you do have to, like... I don't fault her for the the concert thing, because... It makes sense that... They should be disappointed that they're missing out on something that could be fun because they broke the rules. Does that make sense? Right. And us as the audience needed to know why the entire school was gone. What did not need to happen was... I hate the little smirk that she gives the camera before she gets in the buses to go to the concert. That's entirely unnecessary. Right. I don't like it when disciplinarians are painted as just spiteful, mean people. Because somebody's got to do this job. You know what I mean? Right. And even if they did it with good intentions... The Winks did break into Cloud Tower and did deserve to be punished for it. That said. I completely agree with this for the worst. Um, What they could have done instead of being like, hey, we're going to the concert. You're not. Goodbye. Would have been like, just a reminder. We're going to the concert. You have our contact information. Let us know if something goes wrong. Oh, God. In the four kids version, she's like, Maybe one of the other girls will buy you a t-shirt. I like that as a line. I don't like it as a character moment. Mm-hmm. It would have been better if one of the girls said, well, maybe somebody will pick us up a t-shirt. Yeah, like it could have been handled a lot less spiteful. That's Even the word. Originally. Griselda comes off as incredibly spiteful for no real reason. Maybe it's because Bloom managed to quote-unquote sneak into Althea under her nose? Oh, I would not be surprised if that's the case. Yeah, the the only difference between Griselda and Snape is the incel thing. Okay, let's get on to MVPs. Also, I don't think Griselda was ever evil, but... She's not evil. She just has a very strong face. She's not evil. She's just kind of a dink. She's not bad. She's just drawn that way. (laughs) I was going to say that next if it wasn't what you were going to say. Cha-cha! So my MVP is Miss Farragonda because she's a perfectly reasonable headmistress. Mm. She's a wonderful mentor figure and unlike Dumbledore... She's never going to screw the girls over for her own reasons. I believe that. I believe in the good that is Miss Farragonda. My MVP is actually going to be Stella. Really? 
Yeah, because even though she was kind of, you know, bleh in the beginning, um, she had the idea to call the boys, which ended up being pretty good. She brought the supplies for the impromptu drum pop session, which was a good move. Like, she did some good stuff in this episode. She was the first person to want to fight the Minotaur, even if it was because she just got covered in snot. That's one of my favorite things about Stella as a character, really. She is so much smarter than her character archetype would indicate. She's not book smart, but she can think on her feet really, really well. That's a good quality for a princess to have. Also, I would like to imagine that she is secretly... Or not even secretly, but she's just, like, really good in classes that are in line with what she would be expected to do as a monarch. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like, she's probably really good at debates, and she's probably really good at... Like, she's probably got great leadership skills. Communications. Communications, public relations... She will be a bang-up queen. She'll be a great... She'll be a great king one day. So, with uh, that accounted for, do you have any last-minute thoughts? Um, the Minotaur's run cycle, uh, when it's chasing after the girls is kind of gross. I actually kind of liked the, um... The concession of having it move on all fours with two of its arms up. Yeah, I just thought it was weird. It looked like that reverse centaur thing, <laughs> like half horse, half a half horse, and then a human where the horse where, and the horse where the head would be. <laughs> you know what I mean? I know exactly what you're talking about. I am delighted by the witches at every opportunity. <laughs> like. I know it's kind of passe to identify with villains as a queer person, but there's something so fabulously evil about them. It's so cartoonishly evil and it's delightful. And they're so glamorous. We learned about this in episode two when we saw Icy's nails. And her frickin' diamond-studded cell phone. Like, that's, that's the life I want to live. Like, there's nothing stopping the fairies from being elegant. They can be elegant when they want to be. The witches just choose to live that lifestyle all the time. The witches do it for drama. They do it for opalance. We burn everything. Yeah. <laughs> all right. We should probably wrap this up. Yep. So, thank you for tuning in to the Magic Wings Clubhouse. You can find the show on iTunes, Google Play, Google Podcasts, and Podbean. Uh, you can leave us a rating and review on iTunes or Podbean. That will help us get a little bit more exposure. It'll help get new ears on the show. Uh, if you don't want to leave a rating or review, you can always tell your friends. Uh, word of mouth is super powerful. Uh, spread it to your group chats, your discord server wherever you know somebody who likes wings club your neighbor your young relatives who are in the proper age range to actually like the show maybe don't have them listen to us but have them watch wings club 
your older relatives who may have watched the show as a kid and are just really cynical now? Me? <laughs> if you want to get in touch with us for questions, comments, concerns, you can find me, Brendan, on Twitter at Sonata Waves, S-O-N-A-T-A-W-A-V-E-S. You can find me, Tess, at Pocky Slice on Twitter. That is Pocky, like the delicious Japanese snack, slice as in a slice of pie. You can find the show on Twitter at Magic Winks Pod. We will try to post relevant pictures to our episodes. Um, it's also where it's the easiest way to communicate with us. But if you'd like to communicate with us in a form longer than a tweet, you can email us at magicwinksclubhouse at gmail.com. That is the name of our podcast, no spaces, at gmail.com. All right. We hope everybody has a wonderful rest of your day, whether you're listening to us at work, commuting, on public transport, however you listen. Uh, thank you for tuning in and have a great day. Meeting adjourned. Open your eyes, open your mind. We are the Winks. Winks, if your hand is holding mine, we can fly through space and time. And together we'll be served by winners. Winks, we're just like a pen and tap. You light up our world. We'll fly the moonlit sky together. My voice is not nearly as tired as it is when I do my podcast voice. <laughs> I, I realized I was basically doing customer service voice and I sounded pretty fake. Well, here's the thing. Leave uh-huh. your customer service voice for work. This is fun. Pretty much. Thank you for calling Human Resources. Brendan speaking. How may I help you? Thank you for calling Old Navy. Boss. This is Tessa. Can I help you?